Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. Back in 2016, we were approached by a couple who had a lot more experience than us, and their one request was that they only played in separate rooms. They felt that it led to the best sex for both of them. Well, it freaked us right the fuck out, and it sparked an article called Hot Wifing, Polyamory, Open Relationships, and Everything in Between. In that article, I expressed some of my anxiety and some of the reasons I was not interested in separate room play. I said, for me, the journey we're on isn't about wanting to sleep with other men. It's about wanting to experience you, Liam, in new ways. I want to watch another woman enjoy your body, and you enjoy hers. I also love the four-way interactions that are possible when two couples get together. That kind of variety would be impossible if we played in separate rooms. We might as well stay home and just do it with each other. At least we know it's guaranteed to be good every time. But we've gone through many phases in our 10 years of non-monogamy. Things that seemed scary before, like playing in separate rooms, are now easy. Some would say that's the slippery slope at work. I like to think we've evolved. On this podcast, we'll talk about hot wifing, what it is, why we used to fear it, and how we've eased into it in our own way. Thanks for joining us. This morning I saw a really interesting post on Instagram. There was a picture of a sultry woman in lingerie, and the text that went with it said, I want to keep my marriage hot. If sleeping around is what sparks his fire, I'm happy to oblige. So I recognized right away that without mentioning the word, this was about hot wifing. And I found it, even though I'm a fan of hot wifing, and we're going to discuss that now, I found this statement problematic. And the reason I did was because it seemed like the woman was giving her agency away and playing a very traditional card. So I want to keep my marriage hot. So it's my job to keep the man satisfied. If sleeping around is what sparks his fire... I'm happy to oblige. So she isn't going out pursuing pleasure. She's obliging her husband. So another funny aspect of that, my immediate instinct, and I don't know for sure, is that a man wrote that. It seemed to be feeding into certain men's desires for the hot wifing situation. But it really got me thinking about our own experiments in that regard, and we're going to talk about them, but also thinking about who is being satisfied in a hot wifing situation. So I thought I would just talk to you for a little bit about your thoughts on that Instagram post or about hot wifing in general. Yeah, we we talked about this with um, Mickey and Mallory from Casual Swinger fairly recently. So on their June 13th episode called Hot Wife Euphoria, um, we had a really in-depth conversation about what this is what it offers for the men and the women and why it's even a thing. So we've done a lot of thinking and talking about this already. But just for the listeners at home, I want to kind of break down the hot wife thing first, just so we have a clear understanding of the different dynamics. So hot wifing in general 
is a term used to describe a husband who likes to share his wife and a woman who likes to have sex with other people to please her husband. So there's definitely a, a husband kind of driving this. This is his desire. He gets off on it. And his wife, no doubt, gets off on it too. Like she gets to have sex with other men. She gets to please her husband. But it's kind of a, a one-sided man pushing the wife out to have sex with someone else kind of thing. It sounds that way, yeah. Um, but it can be broken down into two different power dynamics. So hot wifing is the overall term. And then it can be subdivided into two different variations. So the first one is the stag-vixen dynamic. And this one is where there's a dominant man who encourages his partner to have sex either when he's there or out on her own with someone else. So in that situation, the man is the dominant one. His wife is more submissive, more wanting to please. And so she kind of is doing this to please her husband. Of course, there's got to be something in it for her too. You would uh, hope so. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, a different power dynamic is where you get into the cuckolding realm, where a submissive man is subjected to taunting by his wife. Um, sometimes she has sex with uh, another man in the room and makes fun of her husband for his lack of sexual prowess or his small penis. And he somehow gets some sort of sexual satisfaction out of that. And maybe after the other man has left, two of them have sex and... There's something satisfying there. I don't really understand that one. Anytime there's taunting or humiliation or making fun of people, I'm out. But it seems to really work for some people. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the stag and vixen idea is put forward as male-driven and cuckolding as female-driven. But anyone who's talked to a person with that kind of enthusiasm knows that all that humiliation that you talked about is really being driven by a man's desire in most cases. I'm sure there are exceptions to this like every other rule, but I think that's kind of where it's coming from. And that's the part that was concerning me is just how often are men behind these things and how much does it perpetuate a certain passivity among women in terms of their own pursuit of their own sexual pleasure? And that's one of the things that I think people often get wrong about the lifestyle and the swinging dynamic, which is that men are the driving force behind it and that no woman would actually want to go out and have sex with many men. And that there's kind of this um, non-consensual element where the women feel like, well, I have to do this thing because it's what my husband wants. And I think in the swinging world, where more often you have couples coming together, you really don't see that. There's enthusiasm that's equal on both sides. The women want to be there just as much as the men, sometimes more so. Quite quite often, I feel like the women are the drivers in the mm -hmm. swinging world. They're the ones who get things started. Very often, if there's a two-on-two -two couple swap, the women start the action by playing with each other. So I rarely see that kind of reluctance or that kind of one-sided dynamic in the swinging world. But in hot wifing, the sense I get from kind of an outsider's perspective is that it's more about the men kind of pushing the women out, wanting this for their own satisfaction. So that's interesting because you're talking about an outsider's perspective, but I don't think you're an outsider. I think we've taken a few steps in the hot wifing direction. So I'm interested to talk to you not about what's generally going on in society or in the lifestyle, but is it a scenario that appeals to you? Well, the textbook definition does not appeal to me. 
So when I think of hot wifing, I think of either the man or the woman going online and kind of shopping for a single male partner, getting dressed up, going out to meet this man somewhere at a bar or at a restaurant, and then potentially having sex with him after. So that doesn't appeal to me for a lot of reasons. Um, I don't love the online dating thing. So just the thought of having to go and find a single guy and actually make a connection with him sounds kind of onerous to me. I don't want to do that much extra work when I already have a really amazing sex life. Why would I put myself through that? And then there's the safety element, you know, as a woman going out to meet a man at a bar and potentially having sex with him is a kind of scary thing. So I don't want to put myself in a dangerous place. So for many reasons, I've never really been drawn to the hot wife kind of scenario. Why do you like the idea, though? I think there's a few things going on. One is people talk about compersion in the lifestyle, taking joy in the joy of your partner, seeing them flourish. So there's definitely an element of that. Although it's interesting when you talk about your relative lack of enthusiasm, is it really a case of me giving you a gift you're not particularly interested in? But if I just look within myself, I feel like there's, if not in the actuality, there's a potential of giving you something awesome and that the generous side of me will be fed by that. There's also a turn on. So I remember this situation we had a few years ago. We were taking a trip to Italy. We went to the airport and I had a passport problem. And my passport problem meant that I could not get on the plane. So we had to make a quick decision about what to do. You decided to go ahead. I stayed behind. And you had a really interesting experience happen while you were there. Yeah, so I was out for an evening walk in one of those beautiful Italian parks. I stopped on a bridge to look down over the square and the fountain below and up pulls you know beautiful old italian ferrari and um a salt and pepper haired man stepped out and he looked up at me so he was parking his car below the bridge and he looked up and we made eye contact briefly and i think i gave him a little smile you know he was good enough looking and his car was very nice. So (laughs) then I I continued down a pathway and took some of those old stone stairs down and, and one of them was slippery at the bottom and I slipped and fell on my butt. And the guy who I guess was still paying attention rushed over and helped me up and made sure I was okay and helped me down the next flight of stairs and walked with me over to the fountain and we sat on the rim of the fountain and he was asking where I was from and of course I was very clear about the fact that my husband was joining me tomorrow, I was married and that didn't seem to deter him at all. No, because he's Italian. Because he's Italian, yeah. Um, So he asked me to join him for an aperitif and so I was telling you this story on the phone later that night when I talked to you. Right, and I learned something about myself while you were telling me that story because Arising within me was a desperate hope that the story ended with you going to a hotel with that man and fucking his brains out. I didn't ask to have that. I didn't think I should have that fantasy. It wasn't something I'd ever thought of before. But I really think we learn about ourselves when these things arise. This was a sort of hot wife-like experience, and I had a real desire for it. And it was so obvious in that moment. I think I've learned in the lifestyle to respect my desires, to not interrogate them too much beyond, are they safe and healthy? So the way that story ended was, after several entreaties to join him for a drink or for dinner, for him to show me his beautiful city, 
eventually I convinced him that no, I wasn't interested. And he left and, and that was the end. But for me, as a woman in a foreign city by myself, it just would have been ridiculous for me to go to a hotel with this man. Um, well, I suppose a drink would have been fairly safe. But, you know, what you had hoped would happen, right. which is me ending up in bed with him, I just can't even imagine any world where I would do that. Right. And that's a, that is a totally intelligent perspective. Mine was a totally unintelligent <laughs> perspective, which was clearly not well thought through. It just makes me wonder overall in the hot wife dynamic if there's an element of men perpetuating a millennia old power dynamic in relationships. So even when it appears to be about the woman being the center of pleasure, that it really comes back to being male directed. That's a frustration for me because I think at the heart of my desires and many men's desires would actually be to see a spontaneous a rising of passion, of sexual desire in a woman, and that she would go out and claim it for herself rather than being pushed and encouraged in that direction. Do you think that could ever happen? Or it's just there's either too much social programming or just too many safety concerns to make it something that would ever be initiated by women in a general sense? Well, I think women do this all the time. You know, women pick up men at bars and have one night stands. And True. it's not that crazy to imagine that a married woman would be into that and would get some pleasure out of the power of walking into a place and feeling like I can choose any man here I want. And it doesn't mean anything. It's just a sexual exchange. And I myself have had those kinds of experiences in more controlled and confined areas. So we're going to tell a couple of the stories from Podcast Palooza, where right. interestingly, in the course of four days, I had probably three different hot wife experiences. And it wasn't something I was looking for. I think the thing that is different for me is I don't like the pre-planning aspect of it. I want it to be spontaneous and to feel like it's just organic and naturally occurring. So if I see a man and I feel like there's some chemistry there, I, I like that I have the freedom to go and pursue that. But I don't want it to be meeting a stranger in public. And that part of it is what doesn't appeal to me. Having sex with another man, that appeals to me very much. If you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you might also like to connect with us in some other ways. For starters, we have a very active presence on Twitter, at Monogamish1. By active, he means we're constantly posting naked pictures, mainly of me. We're also on Instagram under the name, The Monogamish Marriage. Well, I am. It's a place where I post my thoughts, poetry, quotes, and more pictures. It's kind of like reading my diary. We both write separately for Medium.com under the names Liam McAdam and Kate Monogamish. We do all this stuff for free because we clearly have a desperate need for attention. But if you'd like to encourage us or if you're just plain feeling sorry for us, you can become a supporter at Patreon.com forward slash The Monogamish Marriage. We post original photos and videos there, including material that's too hot for Twitter, Instagram, or Medium. So go check it out, you dirty pervs. And now, back to the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. Mm -hmm. 
So while the traditional definition of hot wifing doesn't appeal to me, we have been moving very cautiously, kind of unconsciously, in that direction for years. To answer a problem we had early in the lifestyle, which was, I like to move fast and you are a little slower, we started playing separately, I don't know, five years ago maybe? To clarify, that isn't the dominant form of our relationship. It's a dimension that we've added. So I think it started first when we were hosting house parties and we decided that we were going to be free agents for the night. So within the confines of the house party where we had a curated guest list, we knew everyone there and we were in a safe space, just our home. We agreed that we could each go and pursue whatever connections were feeling right for us that night. So that's how it started and that worked well for us. It worked well for me, actually. I think you didn't pursue too many sexual connections you tended to gravitate more toward the social connections. And I would be downstairs in the playroom, you know, fucking whoever came over and kind of watching the door to see if you were going to come down. So that's how it started. And we've been offering each other that freedom for several years now. Right. But when we went to PCAP recently, a whole different range of experiences came up spontaneously. We did not go into that event with a plan. And I'm talking about PCAP. PCAP is Podcastapalooza put on by Wanderlust Swingers, and it was held in Miami, Florida back in May. And it was a gathering of about a 100 lifestyle couples. And over the course of those four days, we had four and even five amazing experiences going right into the next week. We had another amazing one. So we're going to talk about them and just see what they reveal about how we operate in a hot wife situation. Yeah. So of the five sexual encounters we had, three of them were me playing without you. Right. So the first one was Jay from Average Swingers. And we've written about this in our Miami diary. So you can read our blog for the full details. But basically, Jay has or had a broken cock and he had an implant, a penile implant put in. And so I had followed his story through his podcast and I was very interested in experiencing this robocock. So I told him in advance, I want to take that thing for a test drive. And throughout the event, Jay and I would kind of playfully say to each other, don't forget that test drive. So one afternoon I said, all right, I am good to go, Jay. And we were by the pool and he said, "Um, uh, okay, give me five minutes. (laughs) Right. And I think it was less than five minutes before he showed up at the door of our room. Can I make a clarification too? Mm -hmm. Jay is a really lovely human being. He is. So we're talking about the technology that's come to the rescue (laughs) of his broken cock, but that cock is attached to a really great human being. And I think that's part of what made it possible for you to do what you're now going to tell us about. Yeah. I I like to say that Jay is like a roasted marshmallow. He's kind of crusty on the outside and he's really gooey on the inside. Right. And you do love marshmallows. (laughs) I do. Yes. So if you listen to their podcast, you might know that he comes across as a bit of a coarse joker, but he's very sweet. He's a big teddy bear. Anyway, he joined me in the room and we had sex. It was an interesting experiment scientifically, but it was also a very sad. Satisfying sexual experience. So what was in that for you? So you knew what was happening. You sent me off. You actually came up right at the end and right. had a chance to to actually play with the little pump in Jay's scrotum and see how it all worked. Yes, I did. 
So that was kind of a hot wifing experience. You were down by the pool. I was up there by myself. So did you get anything out of that experience sexually or emotionally or socially? How did that feed you? Well, it's interesting. In any situation where you are with someone else acting autonomously, independently from me, what I get out of the experience is very subtle until it's not subtle. Mm -hmm. So while it's happening, I think of one occasion where we did a threesome where you had sex with a very handsome man in our home while I just sat in a chair in the corner and watched. And while I was watching, there were two beautiful bodies in front of me having sex. I don't remember even getting erect, but the sex we had the next day was unbelievable. And it was clearly connected to what I had witnessed and absorbed the day before. So in all of these situations, when you share with me that you want to have sex with Jay and his robocock to see what it's like, I go into it thinking, I may not get much out of this in the moment. I'm not going to be there. I'm not even going to see it. But the energy is going to have an effect on my connection with you in a super positive way. So I basically go by faith, but I'm not looking for a thrill in the moment. Okay. And do you feel like that encounter with Jay paid off for you after the fact? Or do you know for sure? Oh, I I think it's really about all these experiences that we're going to talk about. The sex we had that weekend was off the fucking charts. (laughs) It was crazy. So I know by now, I know why that is. That's because of the experiences with these other people, but not in a direct line that I can put my finger on. It's just a natural consequence that I know is always going to follow a certain action. Right. So that was one afternoon with Jay. Mm-hmm. That same night, actually, this, is how, this is how slutty I am. Yeah. I had a second one-on-one encounter. So the time with Jay was fun and playful and easy. The time with Brad that evening was definitely more intense, more sultry. So the story with Brad, and again, we have an article detailing all of this in our Miami diaries on the blog. Which we'll show in the show notes. In the show notes, yes. Brad is a very handsome man who I had met at Nadia New Orleans in 2019 and thought, oh, he's probably too hot for me. And there's no such thing, sweetie. But anyway, I'll allow you your own feelings. So I was secretly crushing, but I didn't pursue it because I, I thought he was out of my league. And then at Podcast Palooza, we had been there for three days and had just casually encountered him and his wife. And again, I thought, wow, that guy's really hot, but I'm not getting any um, any real feedback from him that he's interested So on the final night of the party, I had a conversation with his wife and she said that they had recently entered into a poly relationship where her boyfriend was okay with her being married, but he didn't want her to swing. So that left her husband, Brad, in an interesting position. Here he is at this swingers conference, and because of his wife's restrictions, they can't play as a couple. And it's kind of rare to find someone who is willing to play separately, especially at a conference like that where you have a lot of new people. And it can be really hard to ask. So you may see an individual who you're really interested in, like you were interested in Brad. But how do you go up to Brad's wife and say, hey, would love to get it on with your husband, not so interested in you? Because no matter how diplomatically you put it, that's the implication. So it's a very hard thing to arrange. Right. And it's not that you wouldn't have been interested in her. No. You that's... were actually very interested in her. Right. But we knew that that she wasn't able to play that weekend. So, so yeah. So what happened was his wife approached me and said, you know what? Brad thinks you're really hot 
And right. he is allowed to play separately. And I know you guys play separately because I guess she reads the blog too. Right. And so that was green light for me. I approached him and within, again, within five minutes, I said, meet me upstairs. So that was an interesting experience because that I feel is the closest to true hot wifing I've ever gotten where I didn't know him. So Jay and I had played before at an earlier event and going up to the room with him wasn't scary or dangerous or weird. And there's another difference too in that Jay has a podcast. So mm. yes, we've spent a couple of hours over a few occasions talking to him, but you've heard his voice dozens of times and you get a picture of who he is as a human being. So that risk level, that sense of being with a stranger is greatly reduced with someone like that. Brad, however, does not have a podcast and is actually a quiet kind of person. Right. I was so, going to say, he doesn't even talk that much. Right. So any encounters we had had with Brad and his wife, his wife had been the one doing most of the communicating. Yeah, when you're that good looking, you actually don't have to. <laughs> that's have to that's the life lesson I feel like I picked up. If you're that good looking, you don't really have to talk all that much. Um so yeah, so my time with Brad was very uh, intensely intimate and we had a really, really good time. And so again, it's obvious for me what's in it for the woman in that situation. I had a great orgasm. He made me squirt. He was doing all the right things. And at the end of the evening, I discovered that you had been standing outside the door of the hotel room listening. And that sounded to me like the saddest thing I had right. heard in a long time. I would just <laughs> add that it also probably looked like this saddest thing in the world because I think anyone passing by in the hallway would say I know what's going on the other side of that door that poor pathetic man's wife is getting it on with a man a room full of men and he's just trying to pick up tidbits of oral stimulation through the crack in the door but that wasn't the case I was actually trying to make sure that because you had sent me some ambiguous messages before this started I wanted to make sure that everything was okay and that you weren't desperately waiting for me to burst through but I by that stage I was pretty sure that that wasn't the case so the things I got out of that were obviously the better looking person not obviously actually the better looking person you're with the more thrilling it is with me which sounds counterintuitive you'd think wow you don't want like the best competition for your wife to compare you to but that's not how the compersion thing works for me. The best looking guy you can have actually is more of a turn on for me and is more emotionally fulfilling. But there's also another element too, and that is that hot wifing situations are the perfect zero pressure situation for let's say the stag, if I'm the stag in that stag vixen scenario, because I can be a perfect stag with no pressure. Because why? Because I don't have to have an erection mm -hmm. to do it. So I can fulfill my role perfectly. And that no pressure dimension, I think is a big part of it that doesn't get talked about a lot. Right. Yeah. Even in situations where we're two on two or in a group sex play situation, you quite often stay on the periphery. So your role has become the photographer and videographer. And it's kind of for the same reason. It answers the same issue, right? It allows you to be vicariously involved without having the pressure of getting an erection. So this is just kind of a different way of experiencing that same that same thing. Um, speaking of a different way of experiencing, we had a very interesting hot wife 
wife situation once PCAP was over. When the event finished and everyone went home, we stayed back in Miami and the Sapphic Swingers, Tiff and Rachel, they have a place in Fort Lauderdale. So we arranged to go to their house and spend the evening with them. And it happened to be on their 10th anniversary. So we got to ring in their first decade of marriage with them. Yeah. And that was interesting because, you know, everyone else from PCAP basically went their separate ways and went home. So while we had made a number of tremendous connections with people, we couldn't have sex with them all. And even though I tried. Yes. Well, and even though I want to add, I had sex there with people who weren't you at that event. It's just the newsworthy ones that we're talking about involve you and not me. But because they live close by, the Sapphics, we actually had a chance to make up for what we had missed during the four days of PCAP. And we did that, I think, on the Wednesday evening, which, as you said, was their 10th anniversary. So after a lovely boat ride and dinner with them, we came back to their house. And if you don't know the Sapphic Swingers, who have a podcast, they are a married lesbian couple who are in the lifestyle strictly to play with women. So we knew even before we went to their house that you are not getting any action that night, at least not from them. Right. So after our boat ride and dinner, we went back to their house and the three of us women went into the bedroom and had an amazing time. I was so excited in advance of this because I had like a theme in my own head that I eventually said to them, which was, I want you to make my wife a lesbian. (laughs) And I just found that concept so exciting. So I was really looking forward to that evening. Not to mention the fact that They are another two amazing human beings. The levels are just, Mm -hmm. they go so deep with them. Yeah, again, Tiff is very much like Jay from Average Swingers. I think someone else already made this analysis. Um, But they're both both kind of jokey, you know, pally people. Mm -hmm. But there's such depth to them. And I think, again, it's that kind of hard exterior hides a soft... Um, sensitive interior with both of them. So anyway, and they're both fucking hot. And they really know their way around a pussy. Right. So, so the yes, three of Yes, being owners yes. of pussies, yes. Yeah, well, that's they have an extra advantage. That's one of the reasons I love playing with women. So we, we all had a shower together, and then we were on the bed, and we used some toys, and we all took turns, you know, eating each other out, and it was a really, really good time. And while we were having this good time, Liam, you were sitting on the couch in their living room. Yes, I was very patiently just watching TV, looking at my phone, listening for sounds. But I try in any situation like that not to be the guy who creeps up to the door and cups his ear hoping to hear something hot. I wanted. I feel like there's a potential to infect the purity of the situation with a male energy in those circumstances. So I was happy to stay on the couch. I did do something strange, which I don't know if I felt the need to assert my humanity in this uh, feminine-centric situation. But I remember when you all came out, I thought they would be impressed if they saw me drop to the floor and do 50 push-ups. So, so it's a weird That is something Tiff would do, actually. That's what I think I was, I was picking up on. So I did it, and they like applauded, and they were very gracious because they're wonderful people. I can't tell you that they weren't privately going, what, what kind fuck? of 14-year-old... <laughs> is that but that's so not in your character no, that kind of show off i know it was late it was cute yeah um so would this qualify do you think as a hot wifing situation even oh absolutely because you were having an encounter completely on your own separately from me and the fact that it was with two women i don't think changes the dynamic at all it's really about 
your autonomy and pursuing your pleasure. And especially maybe in this circumstance where there is no man to impress, Hmm. it's all about the women, which I think is part of the wonderful thing. Now, we have talked about these situations which are very consensual. And I think I want to close this segment by talking about an experience a friend of ours, I say has had, I don't even know if it's in the past tense, it might be going on as Hmm. we speak. But we had a get together with um, Dominic and Maria. If you read our blog, you will know that they're the couple we get together with the most. And while I was with her, Maria told me about this unbelievable hot wave thing <laughs> situation that they have put together for themselves. And what it is, is this. Her husband said, I don't even know if it began with him, but he was definitely in on it. And he said, I want you to feel free to pursue sexual um, situations totally for your own pleasure. And you don't have to tell me. So that's radical In fact, enough. you can even lie to me. Well, that's said. the crazy <laughs> thing. He said, you can, if you need to, to keep it a secret, lie to me. And when she was telling me, she had already had her first two encounters with a man she met in her building. She was in the parking garage and heading up. She noticed a man noticing her. And she thought, I've left something in the car that I could just wait until tomorrow to get, but I'm going to go back because I want to walk past him again and get his attention. So she did that and they said hi and that was it. Then she went back down later that night, not telling her husband, and put a card in his windshield wiper and said, hey, you're really cute. Here's my number if you'd like to get in touch. So she waited patiently and sure enough, within 24 hours, he contacted her. They met for sex in the storage unit part of their building. I think the first time it was just kissing and oral. And then the second time they, I think the first time was actually in the stairwell. The second time mm-hmm. was in the full on sex in the storage, full on sex in the, in the storage area. And she told me at the time, so they'd been together twice. She was hoping to have two more occasions, one bigger one where she goes out for the evening under false pretenses. I don't know about shopping or something. <laughs> And then she was going to tell her husband. And she was convinced that Dominic was going to go insane with pleasure when he heard it. So she was very excited in the way you are when you're working through a plan, preparing a surprise for a loved one, but in the most unconventional way imaginable. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I told you that story before. Does that appeal to you at all? Very little. <laughs> okay, so- but not zero. Right. So I do get the appeal of that. So it's very forbidden. The whole keeping it a secret from your husband thing adds a whole extra level of eroticism, I'm sure. Yeah, that's because um, that's the transgressive element. Yeah. Right. Um, kind of gritty, dirty, doing it in the storage locker thing. Ah, I don't know. I suppose that could be hot if you just let yourself get carried away. But it doesn't on its surface appeal to me. Right. Yeah. So I, I just find it interesting that In the lifestyle, I know we found this in our relationship, as you talk to people, you see more and more that the possibilities are limitless. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes tempting to think, well, we've done all the things. I can remember thinking that five years ago. In terms of, we had done none of the things five years ago. There's so much we've experienced since then. And so I think this whole hot wife dynamic, finding our own way to do it that's respectful and that allows each of us to find what we're looking for, I think is an area we're only going to be exploring more. Absolutely. We love getting to know you.
And our favorite way to do that is attending lifestyle events. Our next stop is at Podcastapalooza Encore in Dallas, starting November 5th to November 8th. If you read our blog, you know that the last PCAP event in Miami was outstanding, and we expect nothing less from the next one. We'll be presenting a seminar on bisexuality, and we'd love to have you join the conversation. The weekend is almost sold out, so follow the link in the show notes, or check out the upcoming events tab at themonogamishmarriage.com for details. And now, back to the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. The whole subject of hot wifing brings up an interesting thing, I think, in the broader lifestyle. And that is that, you know, in society, we are generally looking to create more equality between the genders. So we say women are 50% of the population, so they should be 50% of C-suite executives, and they should be 50% of cabinet secretaries. But when it comes to the lifestyle, we have real gender normativity going on. And so hot wifing is obviously a thing. As a hashtag, it's like fire on Twitter. But why isn't hot husbanding mm. such a thing? So I'm curious from your perspective, is that something that appeals to you? Sending you off to have sex with another woman? Yes. Not really. Why? Well, it's for the same reason I don't really understand what's in it for you in the hot wifing situation. So again, I've said this before, I understand that when I get to go have a sexual encounter with another man, there is the sexual satisfaction of that. There's the thrill of someone new, the excitement of being desired and, you know, getting dolled up and ready for this experience. I really understand what's in it for the wives in the hot wife situation. I don't get what's in it for the men so much. And so to flip the script there, for me to send you off to have sex with another woman, I still don't get what the appeal is. I mean, I get that there could be a compersion element where because I love you, I want you to have fun and I want you to have all the same experiences that I get to have that you grant me. But personally, I don't think I would get any sexual thrill out of it. Although come to think of it, there was that one time you went out to a concert with a good lifestyle friend of ours, a woman. Right. And the plan was not to do anything sexual because her daughter was actually there. Um, and it was just that her husband couldn't go with her. But the whole time I was kind of hoping you would come home and say that there had at least been a flirtation or maybe some touching under the table or something. So maybe I would get something out of it that is just unanticipated at this point. But from the outset, just imagining you going to have sex with someone else and me sitting at home doing what? I don't know, watching TV. It doesn't seem like there would be a whole lot of gratification for me. Right. Yeah. So in my experience, it's not about the immediate gratification. It's that thing that you felt once you're in the midst of my very innocent evening out with Crystal. So I wonder if it gets to insecurities in the relationship if just not speaking about men in general now in the lifestyle and women in general now in the lifestyle, but just me, Liam, and you, Kate, Mm. if I just have way more confidence that you're coming home to me and a part of you, whether it's social conditioning about men being so unable to control their Mm. sexuality and it being such a dangerous force in society that you just end up having less confidence and it's going to bring up insecurities. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only time I've experienced jealousy in the lifestyle is when something happened that I wasn't privy to. So if you did something that I wasn't aware of, or if there was a boundary you crossed without 
us having a conversation about it first, that's when I start to feel jealous. It's not the act of sex itself. It's whatever feeling of, I don't know, maybe deception or loss of trust. That's what really makes me feel kind of triggered, especially because you do have a history in your previous marriage of having affairs. So sending you off to meet someone strange in a bar, you know, if we do the whole hot wifing thing and flip the genders, that doesn't appeal to me because I can imagine sending you off with someone I know and trust and like, but a brand new person, I don't know what her motivations are. I don't know if she's going to try and, you know, lure you away. Maybe she's like everything you could possibly dream of and you just happen to meet this person in one of these these hot wifing scenarios and that's it our marriage is over and you're gonna leave me and i'll be destitute right (laughs) so there yeah some insecurities (laughs) yeah because it's interesting you're talking about not knowing about it as being the weak point for you but in that story in the last segment where Mm -hmm. the italian man with the sports car kind of made a move on you i was hoping you would respond so that exact same thing no checking in advance no permission given my fondest hope was that you had just acted in the moment with zero regard for me right and if you had done that i would have been so pissed right but it's not that hot husbanding is completely unheard of we actually have friends who participate in this dynamic oh right so amy and rory are actually friends of j and k from that couple next door and they've interviewed them about their hot husbanding dynamic. So Amy is not interested really in having sex with other people, but she really gets off on sending her husband off or even being in the room and watching while her husband has sex with other women. She said that she likes to have other women see what she sees in her man. Ah. So it validates her choice because she has chosen Rory as her husband. And every time another woman also chooses Rory as a sexual partner, she feels like, yes, I have made the right choice. You have validated his desirability. And for her, it feeds her ego. And it also reinforces how secure she is in their relationship that she can send him off to do this crazy thing without her. So for her, it's a real like power thing. Right. But you hear about that and you don't, it doesn't change your thinking about our dynamic. No, I'm not Amy. Right. (laughs) And I'm not Rory, just for the record. But it is interesting because while that is definitely the case, we're acquainted with them. We've actually seen it in action. Mm -hmm. It's still very rare. And I wonder if that has to do with a more deep seated difference between the sexes. And that is, I've thought this, and you tell me if I've got this right or if you disagree. I think if you take a man who in the universe of men is an eight, let's say on that scale of one to 10 in terms of hotness. If you take a man who's an eight and a woman who's an eight, that woman is going to have far more sexual opportunities than the man at the same level. Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Right. And so we don't have to get into all the reasons why that might be. But well, I think part of it is what we've already talked about, which is women have to be more cautious about risk taking with casual sex, right? So a man can feel maybe less threat when he's encountering a new woman and taking her back to her room. She's probably not going to rape and murder him. Right. But on the other side, women have to be more cautious. So I think a woman in a room is going to have lots more men approaching her than a man in a room will have women approaching him just because of that safety concern. Right. Yeah. And I think there's probably another one too, which is a woman is from a traditional standpoint concerned with her Mm. reputation. Yep. So she is just less likely to approach a man. Now, I think that changes when the man's a 10. 
when there's a man who's at 10, and we all know those men when we see them, mm-hmm. women suddenly throw aside a lot of their reservations about safety or reputation. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm speculating here. Does that sound right to you? I suppose, yeah. I think a lot of us saw it in middle school. Like, there are guys who got a lot of attention from girls. And so you'll often hear about girls being boy crazy. But what they really are is crazy for 5% of the boys. So the 95% of the boys are just wondering how in the world to get a girl to pay any attention to them. And 5% of the boys are just literally beating them off with a stick. Because there's something about... I don't know. It's kind of like a narrow definition of attractiveness. Now, this changes, of course, as people mature and make decisions about marriage. But when it's all about attraction, it seems to me that there's a very narrow definition of what's hot in men. Does that seem right to you? Or am I really way out there now? Um, No, I'm just trying to figure out what this has to do with hot husbanding. Well, it's because (laughs) there is less opportunity for it to happen. So there's less Ah, natural momentum in the environment. So if you're a guy who's a 10, you know, who fits that narrow traditional definition of hot, then you could be a hot husband. But if you're an eight or below, it becomes much more difficult for you to find a woman who's willing to fuck you in a casual way. Yeah. So that brings up another factor in our particular situation. And that is, you know, I talked about in society in general, a man who's an eight is not going to have the same opportunities as a woman who is eight. But that's not our dynamic. Our dynamic is, and I'm going to try to be just coldly analytical here. I'm not trying to flatter anyone or denigrate myself. But I would put you at a nine, nine and a half, and me at a six and a half. Oh, I was going to say seven. (laughs) Okay, but you're not not arguing with my basic premise. There's a hotness disparity, and partly that's age. I'm 15 years older than you. I'm going to be 60 soon. That's something. It's, uh, It's just an objective truth. But there's... Even if you take us at the same age, there's a difference in our hotness. So I think the the interesting thing is you have this hot wife dynamic. You have this maybe societal urge to make it more egalitarian. But then you come up against the fact that you're just having different opportunities. And I know in other couples, there can be very attractive men married to less objectively attractive women. And they're going to have to deal with the same thing, which is, can I see you having these opportunities? Because let me go on the record now. I would like to have this kind of opportunity, but I have these two factors stacked against me. My maleness means that I'm less likely to encounter that level of desire with another woman or among another couple. And then I'm just going to have less opportunities than Brad does. And so I think why I want to talk about this is it really brings up what compersion means in the lifestyle. And it means really disengaging the quid pro quo that so many people have in their relationships. So I give this to you, and that means that you will not be able to turn me down when I come to you with the same offer. Because even with my six and a halfness, I am going to have opportunities. And so... Your body's at least an eight. That. <laughs> and, but then come I think... Come on, you're a nine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think women actually care about men's bodies all that much. I think they'll objectively say that's nice. I think in their decision-making, it's almost zero. Is that true? Not zero. No. Okay. It's not a big factor. Is that true? Like a handsome face will trump a less than perfect body? Yes. Right. 
Whereas with men, it is different. So a fantastic body can completely trump a not very attractive face. Wow. Yeah, it's true as far as I can tell. And I don't know if any research has been done in that regard. But I have to, as I was saying, completely disengage our two sets of opportunities by saying, I'm happy for you. I am in the hot wifing situation for what it does for me as a situation and what it does for you as someone I love. But it cannot be about scoring some points so you'll owe me a favor in the future. I think that's when a lot of people get into trouble in the lifestyle. Right. And and that was a big part of my fear right from the very beginning when we got into full swap. We started with threesomes and in those two situations, there wasn't really any threat to our relationship. But as soon as we involved another couple and I imagined you having sex with another woman, my first thought was... Ooh, I don't know if I can handle that. So you let me have sex with Derek when we had those threesomes. Right. And that was great. But me letting you have sex with another woman, that felt like a different thing. So I have always from the beginning felt like if you let me do this thing, I must therefore be prepared to let you do the same thing. Right. And I think that's part of my um, resistance to the hot wife situation because I don't want you to go date another woman and sleep with another woman who I don't know. That to me feels threatening and scary. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not willing to let you do that, how can I possibly do that myself? It just seems unfair that I can't extend to you the same gift or however you want to imagine it. I can't give you that thing um, because it feels too scary to me. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's important to, to separate the two, not only because... You know, the very definition of generosity is doing something nice for someone and not expecting something in return. But if I establish that kind of dynamic with you, then when I bring something to you that I would like you to try, you're less likely to actually do it Mm -hmm. because you're going to be wondering about the implications for the future and what obligation you might have towards me. If I am successful in completely disengaging the two of letting you know, I want this experience for its own value and not for anything else, then you're going to be more open-minded to listening to my ideas and I'm actually going to benefit in the long run. Right. And I need to trust when you say those things that you mean them. So when you say, I just want this for this experience. So I want you to fuck another man, not because I'm hoping to get anything out of it in the future, just because in this moment, this is what I desire. Then when you say those words, I need to believe that that's true, that you're not going to play back the tape in the future and say, yeah, but you got to fuck him. So I should get to fuck her. Right. Right? So that kind of trust needs to be established over the course of many years in a relationship where you, you say something and you stick to it. And so that's where you are very good. I know that I can take you at your word that you don't say anything you don't mean. You are not the kind of person to throw things in my face after. But I know from previous experience with other marriages that not everyone is like that. So that's one of the reasons we are successful, I think, in this lifestyle is that we can take each other at our word. Right. I agree. So I think that gets to the value of hot wifing. It's almost like a trust building exercise. And the reason I say that is because it's inherently unequal. When we do a swapping situation, it's a husband and wife with another husband and wife, and we're having roughly reciprocal experiences. But hot wifing is designed to be unequal. Mm -hmm. So trust has to come in. And if you navigate that experience with success, you've not only had a great time, but you have bolstered your relationship for whatever adventures you embark on in the future. And I hope we have many more adventures together. I'm sure we will. 
I love you. I love you too. Thanks so much for tuning in. While we appreciate you listening, we're ultimately more interested in dialogue than monologue. So feel free to reach out to us at themonogamishmarriage at gmail.com or any of our other social media platforms with your comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. And if you like what we do, we'd love to read your positive reviews wherever you listen to podcasts.